Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Democracy First, uh, Advocacy Arena, a place to bring awareness and shine a light on important issues, which includes, of course, our democracy. And our Good Trouble Democracy Talks are basically a virtual town hall for diverse, civic-minded people to have discussion around current events, legislation, civics, and politics. And I welcome you here. We welcome new voices and treasure the old in this great conversational roundtable that uh, we hope will be inspiring and informative. We do honor a few rules of etiquette here. We raise our hands to speak and mute our mic when we're not. And just a reminder, it is a daytime recorded space. So keep that in mind with the personal information you share and the language that you use. But otherwise, I'd like to welcome my um, wonderful co-host, Soul Sister, and welcome all of you guys back. I'm so glad to see you here. Give her an opportunity to say good morning and uh, we'll start conversating. And today, of course, we're all honoring and celebrating MLK, Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And I hope to have um, some good discussion around that. So, so sister, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back. I um, I had to take a little bit of a break, but uh, today is a great day to return. I'll say that much. And I look forward to today's uh, discussions. Well, thank you. I thought it was a very appropriate day uh, myself. And, um, you know, um, I was looking at some YouTube videos, um, thinking um, about um, how we got here. Because um, it, uh, John Connors, actually from your state, uh, was the person who first introduced legislation to make it a national holiday. Yeah. And yeah, and that happened like four days after he was assassinated, I think. And um, that was, of course, in 1968. But it took us to you know, uh, 1970 or, uh, or 86 actually is that's when, um, Reagan signed the legislation and, you know, kind of made a nasty comment about it, but he did sign it, but, you know, there was a really long, um, progression of, um, involvement in uh, to make that happen like the public had to get involved uh, his wife was certainly one of the first um, uh, and strong advocates and that was like in the 1970s through uh, like 1975 through 19 you know um, mid 1980s and then Stephen uh, Wonder of course wrote the song to help promoted in uh, 1980 I think that's when that came out uh, happy birthday and uh, I'm going to put that up in the Jumbotron because I did uh, post it on my timeline. And then, yes, it was signed into law in 1986. And I think one of the first states to honor it was Illinois. And uh, then Massachusetts and Connecticut, I think. But it wasn't until actually 2000 that uh, it was uh, honored in all 50 states so pretty interesting and like i said i am going to 
uh, send out some invites and hope that we can get some people up to share their thoughts about, um, you know, the day, the celebration, and certainly any other um, current events and things that are going on that, um, you know, we talk about uh, in Democracy First. So, um, Allie, I see you're here. So glad. Um, I know that it is late, late. No, no, no. It's early evening for you. So this is a good, this is a good time. So how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Thank you very much. Um, it's really fun to be back in the space with you, Dee. Thank you for so much for coming back. And Soul Sisters, really lovely to be able to see everybody. Um, life over here in Europe is, you know, full of its complications. We're going to have a general transportation general transportation strike on Thursday, so it'll be chaos. But um, it is lovely to see everybody and really looking forward to our discussions together. So thank you so much for everything that you guys do for the community and, you know, all of everybody that's um, taken a bit of a break over the holidays and stuff. But lovely to see you back and a joyous reunion. Um, and thank you so much, Dee, for all the work you do and Soul Sister for all your work. It's so appreciated. Well, thank you so much. And it was good to um, be able to uh, take a break. Of course, you know, I still post it on a regular basis, but I uh, just needed that time to kind of refill um, the well, so to speak, um, so that I could continue the work that I sat about doing because um, it is something that I am very passionate about something that I feel is uh, very necessary. And um, there's an urgency <laughs> about it. And I think Dr. King has, um, you know, a speech <laughs> where he talks about the urgency of now. And there is certainly no more urgency of now uh, when it comes to the state of our democracy than what's going on currently um, around us. We still have very active measures taking place um, throughout um, the country in different ways by the Republican Party, who seems uh, bent on um, destroying our democracy. And, you know, we, we just had a recent um, um, example of their... Um, you know, lack of concern about governing so much as it is about controlling. So, you know, it's very important that we keep our eye on the ball, that we um, continue to uh, amplify the things that the Democratic Party um, is doing and the things that they want to do, contrast to the things that the Republican Party um, is trying to do and that they want to do, because um, they're not taking a break and uh, so we can't either you know and I just brought Jima Riri up so so glad to see you here this morning um how are you and uh, what's on your mind today I am good um happy new year Dee and soul sister and Allie um I haven't seen you guys in a little bit um I just want to say I really am here today to listen and to give this day to Black people, um, I want you guys to share your stories and your experiences, um, because today is really your day to speak. I just wanted to say, hey, love you all. Happy New Year. 
And with that, I'd love to hear from um, our Black Americans today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jima Riri. And that was so, um, you know, sweet of you, you know, what you said. And um, I, um, I have a funny story <laughs> that I want to share. Uh, my granddaughter, of course, um, knew that they were going to have today off from school. And I, um, she was trying to explain, she said, you know, he was a hero, you know, the, the, the guy that it's the holiday, you know, Martin Luther King. And I was like, yes, I'm familiar with him. And uh, she was like, yeah, he did a lot of good stuff. I said, yes. I said, uh, you know, he was alive when Nana was a little girl and her eyes got big like saucers. I was like, yeah. She said, really? I said, mm-hmm. I said, in fact, um, I was your age when he was actually assassinated. He was killed here, unfortunately, in our state, in Memphis. And she, you know, her eyes got even bigger. She's like, really? I said, mm-hmm. And so um, we uh, then started talking about, you know, our state versus other states. And we started watching videos about the states and how they got their shape and all of that stuff. But it just made just that um, conversation just made me um, think um, about how important it is for us to continue to tell our stories. Kind of thought about Dr. Marshall uh, because, you know, she's a historian and others because um, if uh, these kids don't have um, these things told to them, um, it can just be whitewashed in a way that they can't really relate. So I really wanted to take the opportunity to, um, you know, like really um, kind of get as many personal facts uh, for her and make it relatable, like to Nana. Like, yes, Nana was eight years old when um, Dr. King was uh, assassinated. And, and, you know, it happened here in our state, the state that you live in. And so, um, you know, for these reasons, I, I, I do love um, kind of being able to share history and love other historians and people who like to do that because um, it's needed. And this push that we have uh, on our public education system and, you know, the made up CRT, <laughs> you know, um, fight that they have going on, which we, you know, know and understand really just to be a push to prevent um, even more of our history from being taught. So, you know, that breaks my heart and, and I feel very, um, push to, you know, fill in the gap. So that's another reason why I was taking a break to kind of help uh, spend time with my granddaughter and help fill in the gap because, you know, they're really taking away a lot of the resources and, this, and the tools that uh, teachers have and their ability. Like um, just here in my state, um, they recently, um, the college um, the president of UT had to send a letter out to the professors, letting them know that if they were to be sued for some reason, um, that the attorney general would not be um, 
defending them. And, and that is so sad because now they are having so many things facing them that, um, you know, make it more likely that they will get sued. So, and I see a lot of people in, I've sent out invites. I don't know if you guys have gotten them or if Twitter is acting like Twitter, <laughs> but of course, as I always say, I am not here for me, but to have conversation with you guys. So I welcome you and I see Tiff has come up. So glad to see you guys here. Um, Tiff, go ahead. I need to get a little water. And after that, um, so, sister, if you could kind of keep an order of the hands, I need to. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But good morning, guys. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good morning. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, no, I, I just came up to say hi and glad you're back. Um, yeah, I was I was actually just listening to Martin Luther King's last speech that he gave um, his last sermon, which was the, the drum instinct. Um, and I thought, and I just listened to it, you know, just kind of open-minded and just, it was very interesting to listen to kind of, you know, about ego and people seeking greatness and the fact that, you know, greatness, you know, greatness comes from service, that it comes from, from doing, doing things in love and not by just having the best car or having the best, you know, have meeting people or saying you've done something with somebody. It comes, it comes from you fulfilling your duty in service. And so I, 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 I put it in our, I put it in our chat. Um, I'll post it on a timeline as well. I think everybody should really read it about egos and how that translates down, you know, to, to us and how and how people perceive us and what we want to put out into the world. And he also talks about his, you know, his death and the fact that, you know, when he leaves, that's, that's the ending of the of the sermon. And when he leaves, he wants people to remember him as being a person who was about love and about service and about doing right for other and about justice. And so I think we should all kind of listen to that and take that um, that message on his birthday and understand, you know, what it is, what is our purpose, right? What is our purpose in this world? Is our purpose, you know, to cause drama and chaos? Is it to, you know, to think about our own selves? Is it to think about other people? Is it to fight for what's right? Um, because we can't sit around and just, you know, hear things that are, that are not right. And just, you know, kind of just be like, okay, brush it off and, say, oh, well, it's not my problem. You know, there we we on this on this app and on these spaces, we are truly trying to find a way, one, to keep our democracy. We're also trying to forge, you know, relationships. And we're also trying to, you know, to serve in our own way, whatever way that may be. So I think we just there there's a lot of things to think about um in terms of Martin Luther King and what we can how how we can be better people. And that's what I think most people and what I try to do on this day is to, to, f to find a way to be a better person. Cause I think we should all do that every single day, but even so, you know, just understanding his life and, you know, what he represented and, 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 and how things came to be, we, we can all do better. And so I, that, that's what I wanted to come up and say. I'll, I'm going to post it on my timeline, um, the speech I, from, from YouTube, and you all can listen to it if you want. Um, but it was very inspirational to me. 
just knowing how to deal with certain people and how things go and, um, you know, and what I want to be able to, to put out into the universe um, myself, because I don't want people to um, listen, we all want to be somewhat liked. I mean, I don't really care about being liked, but I also want people to recognize the work that we do because we do do a lot of work, but sometimes it gets overshadowed because there's other things happening, um, you know, or, you know, jealousy and things of the such. But we, we, we have to be able to show the work that we're doing and we, because we do do it in love and we do do it out of service and we do do it because we, we feel it's the right thing to do. So, Um, Yeah. I mean, and that that my work around democracy first, that is from a place of passion. And actually this this day, the the holiday was intended to be a day of service because um, the King Center, which was founded, you know, uh, shortly after his death, um, they kind of set the the uh, blueprint for, you know, um, how they want wanted his memory honored and that certainly was what his life was about as the as many uh, as those that you know fought along with him like you know another um uh, uh, man of the moment um john lewis they were about service and um that's really what it's going to take for us to um, affect change. And, you know, so I am, like I said, always honored to be amongst people in this community who I know are um, like-minded um, in that way because um, the times call for it. So thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing that with us. And um, I think next up we've got um, Kichi. Are you there, Greg? He may be having, <laughs> okay, he may ha- have some connection problems. So I'm going to um, go next to Dawn, uh, Dawn and then um, Dr. Marshall. Thank you, Dee, for having this space. Welcome back. I hope your well is replenished. We've missed you. It's good to be amongst uh, all of you today. And so, sister, welcome back. I um, hope you get to feeling better. Um just uh, this is uh, a day of remembrance, and I, um, I'm just, I'm just, I can't wait to see what's uh, before us in the future. And just, it's time. It, it's, it's been time. And I'm hope that you all are well rested. Uh, we've got a lot of before us for the next couple of years. Is, is concerning politics, but it's a different day to day. Um, I don't have anything really prepared to say, just to share a little bit. Um, um, I was thinking about when I was in. Uh, primary school <laughs> and everybody wanted to have a series of who's going to do the I have a dream speech who's going to do it who's going to do it and I was I was fortunate enough and blessed enough and I thank Tiff for sharing that today uh, of a, you know different speeches but mine has always been I've been to the mountaintop and uh, and not just because of the premonition that he had but from you know a spiritual right and that was delivered here in Memphis at the Mason Temple mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, with the in the night that he was, uh, and I'd have to get this story for you. My mother can tell it so much better, but I can't get her in here. She has a Twitter, but she does not know how to use it. I was trying to get her to come in and tell the story uh, about her meeting Robert Kennedy uh, the night that he passed. Uh, he was in Indianapolis. 
and she had just came off a shift. Uh, she had two jobs at the time. Um, but uh, the one that I was think, really thinking about in primary school, when we had to, uh, everyone's trying to choose a speech and they want uh, something on MLK Day, the pro, you know, the, everyone had the Martin Luther King program. And uh, and everyone looked at me crazy because I said, I want to do, I want it. I've been to the mountaintop. And people like, they, you know, they act like they didn't hear it. They never heard it before. And, um, but if you grew up in a household uh, with, a, you know, a certain particular faith, um, that resonated with me, my mom, my family. Um, that was more important than the I have a dream. Everyone's heard that. Um, and, but the thing that resonated with me so much, and it still does, because I, I remember it by heart. I was forced to remember it by heart when he says, I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. And like anybody, I would like to live a long life and longevity has its place. I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up on that mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. And let me tell you as a kid, I'm just going to share some of this with you guys. I never thought as a child, and you read the Bible and you think, you know, you go to church and, you know, you hear, I, uh, I used to go to this thing called junior church. We have it for teenagers and uh, children under the age of 12 because you're not allowed to go to big church just yet. I don't know some of you churches had some of that. And I used to think, you know, you're going to meet Jesus and he's going to get you through the gates and you got to do everything right. And you're just thinking in your head. But ever since I was a kid and why this speech always resonated with me personally, uh, and thinking about Martin Luther King is that I always thought heaven was on different levels, right? So <laughs> when this speech and why it resonated with me so much, I'm like, well, you know, when I get there, I'm not going to meet God as soon as I get there. I think you got to get to, to get to God, right? You got to, you got to meet Jesus first and he's going to take you. You still got to do all your work. You're still going to, you know, live in this, this lovely lifestyle and uh, where we could see all of our ancestors and see our family and the ones that passed before us. And we're going to see our friends. I may not, and I used to always hear, I may not know them when I get there, but you know, somehow then I'm going to get to the next level because I'm going to then get to meet God. But when I, uh, this was my own imagination as a child, just thinking about what heaven would be like. And so when he says, you know, I've, I've, uh, he's allowed me to go up to that mountain. I was like, oh my gosh, he made it to that level. That was where I was uh, probably about maybe eight or nine years old when that speech resonated with me so much. And as I'm older now, and I think, and I didn't know what longevity means of have uh, longevity has its place. And he said, I'm not concerned about that now. And it suggests that, you know, the concept of longevity is some importance of value. It's not. It's of lesser importance relative to other goals and other concepts and other things that we have to do. And so specific, you know, it's, it time is, living a long time is good, but his work is done. Everything has a season. And so I, I always, from a spiritual level, that brings me back to that. Once you, you can only go so far, but now it's time to see his work. So I just wanted to put that out there today that mine has always been, and I'll just go ahead and put that either in the Jumbotron or down in the, um, the, in the thread. Um, I've been to the mountaintop, just resonate with me spiritually, even as a child, because it, it, it basically made my imagination come to life and that it was some, tr it was so much truth to it. And so that's all. But thank you for having us today. I sure appreciate you. Thank you for allowing me to share. Well, I appreciate that. And that one, too, resonated with me, Dawn, in part because I knew where it was done. And I knew, mm -hmm. like you said, the propheticness 
of it. But, you know, I guess I uh, am growing up in a religious family. I just kind of associated him with, you know, that Moses like character who, you know, did so much work, but he, you that's know, the perfect analogy. That is the perfect mm-hmm. analogy right there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from coming from my preacher families and stuff like that's, that's how I thought of him. And I still think of him, you know, somewhat in that way, just leading people, you know, so um, I love that story. And it's neat to uh, be able to see, you know, like that you held on to that perspective that you had as a child, because, you know, mm-hmm. our imaginations are so, um, you know, free and open. So and open. Yes, yes. And then you can capture and remember that. Uh, so um, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. So who's next, Soul Sister? We have Dr. Marshall next and then Shantae. Good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> it's good to see UD and to see you, Soul Sister. It's really great to see everyone in the space. <clears throat> Can you all hear me clearly? Yes, ma'am, we can. Okay, great. Um, I posted um, an article on my timeline about when Dr. King visited Howard. He actually had been there before I was a student. But um, I actually have very, very mixed feelings today. And um, I won't say that it's interesting that I have these mixed feelings. It's just that I've had them for a long time. But Today, for whatever reason, they hit me harder. So um, I first saw Reverend Dr. King when I was leaving my dorm or the quad where there were four dorms together. And when I came outside, it was really amazing to see him standing there with Muhammad Ali And, of course, Muhammad Ali was doing his usual thing in that he always liked to box with people, or maybe it's called shadow boxing, but he was being funny, and Dr. King was responding, not in a boxing manner, but just being himself. And um, to be that close to both of them, where I could actually reach out and touch, but I didn't because um, I was extremely shy and that just made it even more because it seemed like it couldn't be real that I was standing so close to them. And unfortunately, he did give a speech that day in the chapel and our chapel, well, uh, I don't know if they've expanded it now. I doubt it. Um, if they did, they had to break other ground. But it would not have held all of the students who would have wanted to be there. Sadly, I was still at Howard when he was assassinated. And that memory it's forever burned into my mind. I was, 
I lived off campus and I was home alone watching television when this came up. And I started getting phone calls from other classmates to tell me that, you know, the college president wanted all off-campus students to come on campus because by that time, the people in the city were beginning to uh, march down towards the White House. And I've never heard a rumor come back, like hit a wall and come back so fast. But by the time I lived maybe 10 blocks from campus, so by the time I and some other friends that kind of picked up along the way got even close to campus, we didn't get further, any further than uh, Florida Avenue and Georgia Avenue. For those of you who know the city, you know, they cross. And at that point, there was such a huge, huge crowd. And it, it, it was really like watching a movie because they had um, broken into the A&P supermarket and people were really just angry and hurting. And you're always going to have some people take advantage of situations. But I felt at that moment that a lot of people just didn't know what to do, like me. And I'm standing there watching a liquor store get, um, let me tell you, people got in what I call like a factory line. And that's not the right word, but they lined up and they uh, systematically took everything out of the A&P, just passed it along. And they did the same thing with the liquor store. They were side by side. And when everything was out, somebody threw whatever into both and it just started to burn. And I could hear my friends calling me, Mary, Mary, come on, get away. And I was nowhere close to that those buildings. However, I could see the building begin to swell and um, bricks start to fall. And it just didn't seem real. Eventually, you know, they pulled me. And I still know that I was not close enough to get hurt by the explosion, but I was close enough that if when people started to run, you could get trampled. And in the days that followed, to walk even close to the campus or to go back to my apartment, to see soldiers, um, the military standing on every corner with their rifles and other weapons it it was still an out-of-body experience for me that experience it's still kind of out of body and I think one of the reasons that I have such mixed emotions and as I said I'm not quite sure why they're all hitting today but when I think of 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, I it's hard for me to just think of him. My second semester of my freshman year, Malcolm X was assassinated. Then Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King is assassinated. Then um, Robert Kennedy is assassinated. The first semester of my senior year in high school, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So from 1963 through 1968, I felt like I was just being hit over the head constantly. Sometimes I wonder how I got through four years of college at all because I had to keep putting these tragedies. These were major, major tragedies, and that's not to exclude the people who were being assassinated in between for their role in trying to effectively bring to light what was happening to Black people all over the country. And even in my um, freshman year, although it doesn't fall in the category of assassination, it, it fits into the whole, my experience at Howard in that I don't know how many of you know, and I'm not sure to what extent at this point in 2023 it's still in effect, but certainly for the time before I came and the four years that I was there, Howard had to answer to a committee at Congress. So when we started um, demonstrating when we did sit-ins and took over the administration building. By the way, Columbia University likes to get credit for being the first one in the country. Not so. Howard students were the first ones to do that. Nevertheless, um, whenever we did anything like that, the president was immediately called. There was a meeting down at the White House with the committee, and he'd come back and tell us all these things that we must do because the committee says so. And if you don't, then we won't get funding. By the end of my freshman year, I truly wanted to leave Howard, but having nothing to do with the various um, tragedies I experienced, it had all everything to do with the fact that I had never failed a course and I failed physics. And at the time, I didn't understand that just taking the class over and passing would be great. I thought by staying that summer and taking this class, it would actually remove the F from my uh, transcript. I think had I known that it wouldn't, I might not have stayed. But that was the best thing that I ever did because I met so many students who were from Washington. And at the time that I was there, 
if you were from Washington, you were snubbed. I couldn't understand this. It made no sense to me. But, you know, lots of things that students do, that people do, whether they are younger, teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, all the way up, things that we do sometimes don't make sense. So today I have, as I said, a lot of different emotions. I have been to see the King statue. And it's really remarkable. Um, I watched yesterday a short, I wouldn't call it a documentary, but in a way it was, because it explained how the statue came into existence, not just on paper, but how they chose the um, material and how they wanted it to look like a mountain. It was really very interesting. I kind of wish I had seen that or something similar before I actually visited. But nonetheless, um, today is... A sad day, but it's also a day for rejoicing when we remember all the wonderful things that, um, not just that Dr. King did himself, but all of the people from before. He was at Howard as early as 1956. And, I mean, I can't imagine dying at 37, let alone being assassinated for something that I believe in. And I know how devastated I and my classmates were and so many, many people around the world were. And your granddaughter, Dee, that's a great story. Um, I posted, I'm not sure if I reposted it, but I shared it with LMZ and Allie, this short video of a white woman talking, well, actually her son was talking about Martin Luther King and saying what a great man he was. And he had a book that he was reading and um, towards the end of it, you know, he, he talks about wanting to hurt the white people who hurt Dr. King. And his mom tells him that he's white. And it's so amazing because he looks at his hands. He just looks at his arms because at that moment, he realizes that he's white, but he doesn't quite understand how he is white and these other pe bad people. And she begins to explain that those were bad people. I can remember when I was about 15, 14 to 15, I had gone back to Georgia to visit my grandmother. I was sitting in her bedroom, which was at the front of the house. I was looking out the window and I saw a white child and a, two boys, white boy and a black kid skipping down the street. And I remember shaking my head and saying to myself, I never thought that I would see this happen. Now, I, I was truly about 13, 14. And 
I could relate to this child. I didn't need to look at myself to know that I was black, but I had been raised in a segregated environment, had gone to all black schools through junior high school, had had all black teachers, had even gone to school on Saturdays sometimes because our teachers offered us the opportunity to learn more of whatever it was that we wanted. It, you know, it was voluntary. And, but when I watched that little video this morning, it brought me right back to that moment when I watched this black child and um, white child skipping down the street. We are not born with racist ideology or racism. It might happen within a few months or years of being born. If only we could wave a magic wand and change the minds of semi-adults. And I say semi because it starts so early. Um, but those are my mixed feelings about this day. Joyful that we celebrate his life. I'm happy that we get to talk about everything that he did and that was done to him. But for me, having experienced so many major figures in our time, in such a short time of my life, five years, is it's very traumatic. It is, yeah. and I am only in recent years beginning to really understand how traumatized I was because for years I never spoke about all of them at the same time. Um, but, you know, it's still a good day. We're alive. We're here to share, to witness. And I'm interested in hearing other stories. Um, sorry, that I may have taken up a little more time. But in this instance, um, this was a particularly um, traumatic experience. But at the same time, to experience all five of those and actually see them happening on television when TV was kind of just even getting started. Well, I think it's important, you know, um that you share like that lived experience because that too is part of history and we need to be able to relate um, our history um, to ourselves and to others and you know at in a personal kind of way at a personal level uh, to understand um, the sacrifices and you know the the achievements and the um, contributions that were truly made because sometimes when you know you just state the fact live born died did this did that or whatever some some of this is lost you know and like you said um, I had a conversation with another uh, friend um, um, Lauren and she she talked about one of the two shocking things for her was the fact that he um, was assassinated at such a young age, yet all that he had accomplished. Um, and then 
the her the second thing was that um, he too at that time was a victim of gun violence, and and so you're speaking about all of these other um, leaders who fight in in much you know for uh, in the same way. So I I do think it is important that we put you know all of these things into context and uh, especially uh, and even more now so that there is an active measure for our history not to be told and then for them to you know kind of take quotes and things out of context like being judged by the you know um the of your character um and um you know while they're behaving in such a racist manner um we we just you know got to get a place uh, get to a place where we can kind of stop some of that but I think these real conversations are important. So I thank you for, for sharing it with us. And um, I think we've got, was it Shantae? Yeah, uh, Shantae was next. I just want to say real quick, I, I think that mm-hmm. um, it would be, I, everyone listening, it, it, when you have someone of, um, of experience and knowledge and wisdom of living through those times, I mean, grab your phone and record these stories because, uh, you know, history is told by orally, not just, not just through books. And, and these personal experiences are something that can't replace something that you read in, uh, you know, a printed textbook or online or whatever have you. Uh, it, it, Listening to these stories, it, it just takes me back to listening to my mother. And I wish that so much listening to her, I, I had not just listened to her stories, but recorded some of her stories. And I don't have that opportunity at this moment. So anyone who does have that opportunity, I'm telling you, you would cherish it. May not as appreciate it as much right at this moment, but on time on days like this at times like this it is it's just phenomenal to hear because the emotion that um you you were feeling at that time comes through and it just gives you it it makes it more real it it gives you a totally different perspective on history we are living in these moments right now um and so you know i impress that upon people but i mean if we have elders in our family, not just cherish them, but try to encapsulate those experiences, I think would be phenomenal. Yeah, to tell their stories. And like you said, another reason why I think it's important um, that we um, talk about um, the things that are going on now because they too will at some point in time become history. And, you know, as much as the facts of history are important, I think um, how it affects the the culture and the community is just as important. And sometimes that can get lost, especially, you know, when you got textbooks just, you know, trying to wipe away as much as possible. But, you know, we have a a lived experience from a a college student. student from that era and how it affected her life. Now I was, you know, like a young kid and, but I could feel that energy around me and in the adults around me, there was, um, 
there was a lot of anxiousness, you know, during this period and, and, and uneasiness. But I don't want to go on too long. We do have some hands. So I think uh, Shantae, uh, Greg, and then Kiki. Yep, I was just going to say that. Thank you so much for giving me that moment, though. Thank you. Well, thank you, because I think it was important, you know. Okay, Shantae. Hi, Dee. Hi, Soul Sister. Hello to everyone. I'm glad you're having this space. Hey, Shantae. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back to Doing Spaces. I know sometimes you have to take a month. Trust me, I, I know from experience a couple of times. So just hearing um, Dr. Marshall, I'm like, how do you go after Dr. Marshall? Like someone that has like existed long before you, but okay. So um, my mom is also from the South too. So like she was just telling me how like I asked her, did you ever use the color water fountains? My grandfather was like, hell no. My mom said, my grandfather was like, hell no. You have to like, you're going to drink the water in the house and you're going to use the bathroom at the house. Like my grandfather wasn't going for that. Like that was just not his thing. But on this day, and I, and I try to like be like insightful every day of black history and just of, you know, civil rights and, you know, all our leaders and all our activists, you know, I, I quoted, I, I, I took a picture of a quote that's relevant for today because what if Dr. Martin Luther King, who would have been 94 yesterday, if he was alive today, he would not appreciate the the civil discourse in terms of our political uh, cl political climate with the legislation that is being withheld in the Senate and the House. He would be very dismayed and not pleased of what's going on. He he would be so upset. And even as some Democrats, that's why I posted and I'm going to read it. And uh, it's important that we, we stay transparent. So here it is. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro great, the Negro great stumbling block in the stride towards freedom is not the white citizens council or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted in order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. And you can say it's not just only Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin, it's also Susan Collins, the quote unquote centrist, um, Lisa Murkowski, the centrist, the senator from Utah with the black grandchildren who marched in the Black Lives Matter march, but don't want to vote to eliminate the filibuster. I found it to be- Or Amy Coney Barrett. <laughs> And, and her too, with her black children from Haiti, you know, let, let's be real. Like they're so quick enough to throw their black family members or their biracial family members inside of this, or even uh, Addison Mitchell McConnell, who does have an Asian wife, but still he has black people in his family. I mean, his, I think his nephew-in-law is running for, what is it, for governor in Kentucky. Like, let's be honest here. Let's have an honest, open conversation. Dr. King will be very dismayed of what the hell is going on. How can we relive his work? Yes, Tiffany said, be better people, but also to understand and be real. Like, let's have these real, open, and honest conversations. Let's listen before talking, because there's a lot of talking and not enough listening. Even from our followers, some of our followers that follow us that don't understand, that don't want to talk about race. I'm like, you got to talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, then what's the point? What's the point? Because eventually it's going to come up. The way our climate is today, you cannot 
not talk about race. Well, they talked about it then, Shante, because they, and, and what people don't understand is a lot of the, they had to build coalitions and they were multicolored coalitions, okay, in order to get the work done. That still exists today, but he still spoke to the issue at hand. So I just want to say, amen, sister. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the truth. He spoke at the issue of hand. And that's what I was even saying with the economic stuff. So when people, and, and it, it gets me so angry with some of the folks that misquote him, like people on the far left, people in the center, people on the, the, the center right, you know, when they misquote him and want to quote all the quote unquote good things and don't want to quote the obvious talking about people have Malcolm X level integrity or people talking about having, Oh doc. He's like Dr. King. Oh, he's equivalent to Dr. King. Oh, he marched with Dr. King. Like, please don't do that because don't lie and say you marched with him. Don't lie and say you practice his teachings and you're blocking progress. Like don't do that because Martin Luther King will never block progress. He will, like you say, work with multi-generations um, and multi-coalitions of people. He had Jewish people march with us from my city. From one, of, one of the first people who died uh, down there in that uh, summer in Mississippi was, um, um, I, I always forget her name. I hate that. I, I'm sorry, my charge it to my age. <laughs> um, but she was from Michigan. I know that. I know you know, Dr. Mary. Can you tell me? No, I don't remember her name, but okay. I do know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But she was one of the first ones who 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 died. I bet you Geechee will know. So <laughs> go ahead, Shante. <laughs> the whole thing is like, you know, let's honor him today. Let's listen, record. I'm glad I have like my mom, who was a child of the civil rights movement, who came up to New York in 1972, but was mostly raised in the segregated South, just like... um. Dr. Marshall was raised in South Carolina, was raised in a segregated South. And so let's have these open, honest conversations. Martin Luther King was for progress, but he was for addressing the issue at hand at the same time. I mean, he pushed LBJ to pass all this progressive legislation, even with him, you know, having the Dixie cracks turn against him. You know, he had to, they, he got pressed for him in Congress to pass it because Martin Luther King was like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, we should have the right to vote. We should have the right to live in nice um, neighborhoods, own property. We have the right to do that. So it's baffling to see uh, uh, people walking back and going backwards in time and trying to make us live in a society where we was not even even thought of as citizens, you know, or right. known as colored, which mm -hmm. I don't even, oh my God, which, you well, know. that was my time because I think maybe that's where some of my passion comes from because I am a child of the civil rights movement, you know, I was born um, during, you know, that movement. So um, I get it. <laughs> you have people like Kevin McCarthy want to say, at the end, and you didn't catch the end of his speech, which I listened to it because you always got to listen to the other side, what, what the hell they plotting, you know, 
woke legislation. We're going to ban woke legislation. Oh, that sounds so racist. Every time I hate to hear them say that, how they have co-opted that word. It just really gets under my skin. But yeah, go ahead. And, and, and it's not to be negative about it, but this is what Martin Luther King will not be dismayed. So as we're in this climate right now, you know, it's good to mobilize, organize, educate ourselves, have those hard conversations with people, even if, you know, it is going to be positive or negative or we don't know yet in the middle or get to some type of common ground. At least you have those open and honest conversations back candidates who actually believe in the dream and believe in taking the dream further. You don't have to be like him. You can be different in your own remix. Be be those kind of people because, you know, we're in critical times of our lives. And <clears throat> I never thought I would see this in my 30s, but <clears throat> here we are. But well, every generation, you know, they, they have their fight um, that they have to rise to, you know. Sometimes it's just the same O in a different suit. <laughs> so thank you, Dee. Thank you so, sister, for having me speak. And I will just continue to listen to this great conversation. Well, thank you for making it, helping to make it a great conversation. So glad you could join us today. And I appreciate everyone who has been able to join. And I understand if you're not able to speak, but, you know, I always love to um, know that you're down there in the uh, gallery listening. So I just want to uh, tell you thank you and um, I appreciate it and I am humbled by it. So uh, we're going to go next to Geechee, Kiki, then Danny, and then uh, Mark Donna and Gwen, I know I brought you guys up, but you didn't have your hand up, so I wasn't sure if you were just kind of sitting and waiting, but I am going to wrap up in the next 30 minutes, so I do want to give everyone an opportunity uh, to speak and just thank you um, and tell you a little bit about, you know, the podcast work that I've been doing and and um, some of the things to look forward to going forward with me. So, um Gichi, you're next, and then Kiki and um, Danny and Mark. Um, first of all, thank you for having the space. Um, it's a wonderful to be here with everybody today on a very, very important day, a very solemn day, but also a very um, celebrated day. Um, we honor and are you in Memphis or in Nashville? Um, I'm in. I'm in Nashville. Okay. We sell, even though Dr. King was born in Atlanta, we celebrate Memphis as like the home now of the civil rights movement when it comes to Dr. King. Yes, there's a lot of things that are in Selma and there's a lot of things in Atlanta, but like his life, his birth, and his, unfortunately, his untimely assassination are also both celebrated in that city. And I think it's really important that we have more people that get a chance to obviously we have a lot of people that get the opportunity to go down to a, to Atlanta but also get to go to Selma and also get to go to Memphis and also get to go to Orangeburg South Carolina and a lot of Wilmington North Carolina a lot of these cities are New Orleans a lot of these cities where this movement started this movement was organized and were gained strength and was able to do good in our community. Because as Ms. Uh, Dr. Marshall said, a lot of these stories, a lot of these histories can be lost over time. It is wonderful today to be here with Soul Sister and you doing a space like it should be. It's intelligent, it's lively, it's friendly, it's loving, it's coming from a space of learnedness and 
compassion and family that is needed on this app. And I'm so glad to have y'all here spreading that day after day after day. But I really want to talk about what this moment is as regards to the leaders and also the martyrs that gave their life for that we can be in a better place now. We'll always have the negative people or we'll other, always have the other side of the argument or the debate that say that nothing's been changed since 1960. When like, 1960 was the start of the civil rights movement, that wasn't the date. It was 1954 that this movement was officially recognized, not that it was like a, a proclamation written that was handed down from God, but it was the date in which it was obvious that, there were, that we were moving in the right direction. Thurgood Marshall won the Brown versus Topeka decision and... A lot of that was done from the legal scholar and theory of Polly Murray, a trans man that time that was, of course, behind the shadows. But when it came time for people to listen, they listened to her because she was brilliant. He was brilliant. Excuse me. He was brilliant. He was smart. And through that came a legal theory that has lasted the, the strength of time, even with this disgusting 6-3 court. But there are more people than just that. There are more things that are important than just that. This day is not, yes, I, I work for a place that has like multiple games going on today and games in Atlanta always, always a game in D.C., always a game in Memphis, always a game in L.A. But today it's not about the NBA and it's not about the NFL. It's about the legacy of Dr. King, Coretta Scott King, their family, and all the other leaders that helped us get to this point. And I just want to highlight some of those and also, because somebody brought it up, some of those martyrs who gave their life for progress. So I want to start with who, of all the big six, the big six was A. Philip Randolph, Whitney Young, James Farver, Dr. Martin Luther King, John Lewis, and Roy Wilkins, who organized um, and led different civil rights organizations, but pulled together to get everybody on the right track. And I know many of you know, we talk about Mr. Good Trouble, that the rebellious, the most left one, the most um, wanting to get engaged no matter what it costs, the most radical of those groups was SNCC, which was led by John Lewis with lieutenants like James Clyburn and Benny Thompson. They were the radical ones back there. And it's kind of funny now that we regard them as if he, they are conservative or moderates or are slow to move. They were the wild young ones. Right, there. right, right. <laughs> but they Martin weren't doing... trying to tame. <laughs> exactly. The march, the, the, the Selman Pettus march was, was not wanted to happen from the other five of the big six. But they said, we're going to do it anyways. And it obviously... There was a lot of damage that happened, but it actually turned the tide. And it is funny now because all these years later, we have so many people that look at them like they were just like stopping progress or slow on progress when they were actually the opposite of that. And I said my favorite of these persons is A. Philip Randolph, who was from the labor union um, movement, who like tied, who I would say are the two biggest civil rights icons of the last century, um, Dr. King and Cesar Chavez, and tied those movements together that used and this and is where Jesse Baker, don't forget. Yeah, her. Oh, I, I, she's coming up. She's she's coming up. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you she's coming up. But that tied these two movements together and in a way that I, as somebody that's autistic, somebody that Asperger's can relate to. Organization, numbers, numbers, numbers. It was the decision to, it wasn't Rosa Park that was the first one to not give up her seat on the bus. It was Claudette Colvin. 
But when they tested, how would the country, how would blacks react to that? It wasn't that. So it was, let's do this with somebody else. Let's do it with Rosa Parks. And it happened where Claudia Colvin was a, uh, on her own, I'm part of this movement. I'm not giving up my seat for this. It was, I don't want to say staged, but it was organized to make sure that the media was there, to make sure that everything was captured, the story was sealed in for her. And obviously that decision had more impact than it would have been if it was Claudette Colvin that had the decision. But it's more than just those six men. And it's really important that we don't just talk about those six men as if they are everything when it comes to this movement. It's also Coretta Scott King. It's also Ella Baker. It's Dorothy Height. It's Leah Chase, Fannie Lou Hamer, Dr. June Jackson Christmas, Eileen Hernandez. Yes, we recognize that there were Afro-Latinos that existed even back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Diane Nash, Judy Richardson, Gay McDougal, Mary McLeod Bethune, Claudia Jones, Claudette Coleman, Gloria Richard, Richardson, Rosa Parks, Merle Evers, Septima Poinsettia Clark, Kathleen Cleaver, Joanne Robinson, and our very own on this app here, people like Dr. Marshall and Miss Denise Oliver Velez, and even people that are even younger than that, but are still our elders that can give us sage advice, like Mama Donna. We have so many great resources that we can turn to. But the past didn't stay in the past. It's also here today with people like President Obama and Vice President Harris and Governor-elect Wes Moore and Senator Warnock and Minority Leader Jeffries. They lead these fights in places that people in the past probably couldn't imagine that we'd be at 60, 70 years later, 50 five years later that we would be in these places. But we've had a black president. We have a black vice president. We have a black senator from the deep south. We have a black governor. And remember this time, Maryland was still in the 50s considered part of the deep south. A black governor from there. We've already had a black governor from another state, Virginia, Douglas Wilder. Um, and we have a minority leader who is a leader of one of the chambers of Congress. And we still have these powerful institutions, Black institutions, like HBCUs, the Divine Nine, Black Chambers of Commerce, all these local organizations that exist in our community, be it a, uh, a city council, uh, uh, a renovation board, a historical society, um, school boards, these institutions are strong and they keep our community strong. It's always important to remember that intellectualism has always been a core strength of this community. The ability for Martin and Malcolm to have conversations that produce good fruit is always something that existed in this community. And I want to end this um, praising those like Dr. King that unfortunately didn't get to the mountaintop. Um, let, from 1955, and I'll go forward from that point, Reverend George Lees, who was killed in Bozoni, Mississippi. Lamar Smith, who was killed in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Emmett Till, who was lynched in um, Money, Mississippi. John L. Reese, who was lynched in Mayflower, Texas. William Edwards Jr., a truck driver who was killed in Montgomery, Alabama. Matt Charles Parker, who was lynched and Poplarville, Mississippi. Herbert Lee, 
a civil rights leader who worked with Bob Moses, a huge, huge, huge icon and his inspiration to me, math guru of the stars, who was lynched in Liberty, Mississippi. Corporal Roman Duckworth Jr., a person who served this country in a war for the independence of others and came back to a country that wouldn't give independence to him, was killed in Taylorsville, Mississippi. Paul Guillard, a French journalist who was lynched and killed by a white mob at Oxford, Mississippi. His body strewn, his body parts strewn from part to part on the same street. William Lewis Moore, a postal service from Baltimore, who was shot and killed during a protest when he came down to support progress, a white man in Atala, Alabama. Medgar Evers in Jackson, Mississippi. Addie Mae Collins, Denise McNair, Carol Robinson, and Cynthia, and Cynthia Wesley that were killed by a coward's bomb as they tried to praise and worship our Lord, our Savior, the Creator. Virgil Lamar Ware, 13 years old, was riding on the handlebars of his brother's bicycle when he was fatally shot by white teenagers. The white youth had come from a segregational rally held in the aftermath of the 16th Street bombing church bombing, and wanted to make sure that the youth knew that there would never be a country in which they would live in and which they would be safe, was killed on September 15th, 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama. Louis Allen was killed in Liberty, Mississippi. Johnny May Chapel was murdered in Jacksonville, Florida. Reverend Bruce Clunder was murdered in Cleveland, Ohio. Henry Hezekiah D. Charles Eddie Moore, uh, Moore murdered in Medville, Mississippi. James Earl Cheney, our good Jewish brother Andrew Goodman, and our other good Jewish brother Michael Henry Scherner were murdered in Philadelphia, Mississippi, where Reagan decided it was a great space to kick off his 1980 presidential campaign. Lieutenant Colonel Lumel Penn, a D.C. teacher, was driving home from the Army Reserves when he was shot and killed by Klansmen in Colbert, Georgia. Jimmy Lee Jackson was beaten, shot, and lynched in Marion, Alabama. The Reverend James Reeb, a Unitarian minister from Boston who led large groups of people from Boston into Selma, Alabama to fight for civil rights, was lynched, murdered, and killed by a mob in Selma, Alabama. Viola Greg Luizzo, a housewife from Detroit who drove alone to Alabama because the Lord told her that if she can't stop right in other places, they'll never have right in her life, was killed on a Selma Highway in Alabama on the way to the Edmund Pettus Bridge to protest. Officer O'Neill Moore was lynched in Bogluza, Louisiana. Willie Brewster lynched in Anniston, Alabama. Jonathan Meyer Daniels, an Episcopalian seminary student, also from Boston, killed in Haynesville, Alabama. Naval officer Samuel Lehman Young Jr. lynched in Tuskegee, Alabama. Vernon Ferdinand Dahmer, a wealthy businessman who was funding a lot of the civil rights movement, killed in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Ben Chester Wright, killed in Natchez, Mississippi. Clarence Triggs, killed in Baglusia, um, Louisiana. Warless Jackson killed in Natchez, Mississippi. 
Benjamin Brown killed in Jackson, Mississippi. Samuel Ephesians Hammonds Jr., Delano Herman Middleton, and Henry Ezekiel Smith, victims of the South Carolina State Massacre in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And we end with the assassinations of, the, of Malcolm X and Reverend Darton, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th, 1968. Many gave their blood, many gave their lives for the progress that we have now. We have not come to the mountaintop yet, but our climb there will not stop. And the leaders that we have today and the young leaders that we are rearing to take over in the future will assure that we will eventually get there. And we won't get there by ourselves. We'll get there through a coalition, a coalition of the willing, a coalition of the ascendant. Blacks, Latinos, Asians, college-educated whites, liberal religious whites, whites that think that equity builds equity in their own lives and equity in humanity. Queer people, Jewish people, Muslim people, Sheikhs, Catholics, Protestants. This coalition will bring us to the mountaintop. Again, thank you all for having this space. Thank you, Dr. King and all those that came before us that laid their life on the line, gave from their time, and took time away from their family to make this moment possible. Everybody be blessed and have a blessed day today. Well, thank you, Reverend Geechee. I am just like blown away. I love it. I love Amen. it. I mean, bringing the facts as always. I, I should have known and shut my mouth, but oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for those wonderful contributions to help us, you know, uh, never forget. Because, you know, like you guys, you heard it. There's a lot of people who spent blood sweat and tears uh, to get us to where we are today and people are still working. So thank you so much, Geechee. Um, I'm just, I'm going to go next to um, Kiki, uh, Danny, Mark, and then uh, Donna, and I'm going to start to wrap up. So if you have some last thoughts, if you're already up here on the stage, uh, feel free, raise your hand if you're in the gallery. Um, this is your last call. And I just want to thank you all so very much for helping me come back on such a memorable day in such a memorable way uh, with all of this wonderful uh, uh, conversation and the contributions being made. So thank you, guys. So, Kiki, you're next. Danny, Mark, and then Donna. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, it's such an honor to be in this uh, space. I come humbly. Um, thank you, Dee, for hosting. I was looking all day. I said, I'm not going to a space unless it's an MLK space. I had a feeling you would run one. Uh, and I am so, so very grateful you did. Um, and uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I can follow what Gitsi um, just said. Um, I just, I just came in uh, very humbly. Um, and I just came in to, uh, to honor what Dr. Marshall Mary have said, has said and uh, her contribution. And um, as a humble educator myself, um, be, having the honor of being educated and um, having the history that I learned in school corrected by wonderful um, friends that uh, have given me uh, the, the sight 
into um, a, a, a new world. I felt like when I discovered the, the real uh, Black history, uh, it was such an honor um, as an educator myself, because uh, the, the history of the victors is the history that I learned in school. Uh, but once uh, going to college and uh, university and coming to the States, I have had the honor of being around people who have taken the time to open my eyes and um, to the to the truth that was untold. So um, again, thank you so much. I come in humility in this space, and it has been it has been wonderful listening to everyone. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you, Kiki, for coming and joining and just, you know, coming to um, say hello and to tell us, you know, uh, that you were looking for um, a place, um, a space today. And being an educator, I'm not surprised. But thank you so much for, you know, supporting us and, and for coming, uh, sharing and uh, for listening, because to me, it's just as important as um, the um you know, speaking. So thanks again. I really do appreciate it. And up next, I think, um, is it, uh, did I say Danny, Mark, and Donna? Yep, that's the order. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back, Ms. D. You know we've missed you. We know we uh, love you too. And thank you, uh, for Soul Sister, for helping you co-host. Yes, I am glad I did not have to go after Geechee. Thank you. <laughs> um, but know that I was listening hard to what Geechee was saying because I was going to see if he was going to mention this one particular name, and he did not. So this will not be repeat information. Um, the person that I wanted to kind of focus on just a little bit, and I'll bring it back to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr., is um, Jerome Big Duck Smith. And he also was a part of the civil rights movement. And the reason why his name stick out the most to me is because I was reading the book from um, the author, Michael um, Eric Dyson. And um, this particular book, he is actually talking about the meeting um, that civil rights leader had with uh, John Kennedy. Um obviously the brother, excuse me, um, Robert Kennedy, the brother of John Kennedy, when he was still attorney general. And they have this meeting with uh, James Baldwin, um, Fannie Lou Hamer, and a few other of the, you know, more prominent civil rights leaders. And he's trying to convince them, like, you know, be patient, you're going to get what you're going to get. But you know, it, this all takes time. You just need to be more patient. And um, he's trying to tell them that, you know, look, we're Irish. When we came over, no one liked us. But, you know, now we're in the White House. And James Baldwin comes back and he says, exactly my point. We've been here five, six, seven generations, and we're still trying to get the right to vote. You need to be... Um, pressuring your brother to really take a stance on where he stands on voting rights and civil rights. And, you know, they, uh, Robert Kennedy leaves that meeting really upset, uh, not understanding why more black people aren't grateful for the little bit that his family and white people have done so far. And he takes a moment and he, uh, recognizes, um, yeah, he'd be upset too. And one of the persons that was also in that meeting 
was a civil rights um, activist, Jerome Smith. And next to John Lewis, Jerome Smith is someone um, who was just as beaten and as battered as John Lewis was. He was a freedom writer. And he said, I believe in nonviolence, but I'm at the point where I'm ready to pick up a gun. And if I'm at this point, then you need to be, don't worry about the Muslims. Don't worry about what um, Malcolm X, no shade to him, what he's doing up in Harlem. But you need to be worried about me, the guys like me, the people like me who have been beaten, who are on the front lines. And I'm now ready to use violence against anybody that comes my way. And I think that kind of shook him, (laughs) obviously, because we know that later he goes on to have several conversations with his brother, the president, and eventually he becomes more open uh, to the civil rights. So he is someone that does not often get mentioned. I gave a very, very brief Cliff Notes version. (laughs) Um, If you can stomach watching The Breakfast Club, uh, the author is on Bill Maher, but also on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God a few years ago. And he explains this. And it's usually in the uh, the very beginning of the video, so you don't have to watch the whole thing. Um, it's like 20 minutes long. I did not have time to edit the video. But if you go back and you watch it, um, it's about four or five minutes in where he gives the full story. And he does a lot better job of explaining it. But so shout out to uh, Jerome Smith. And he is still among us. So he has not passed. He is still here. Um, well, thank you, Danny. I always love learning about new, um, you know, heroes uh, amongst us. And um, I hope you continue um, to um, bring awareness um, to him. And I want to go look up some things because this is what we need to do. There were many people involved in the right, uh, you know, the, the fight for our civil rights, as there are many people who are involved in this continuing uh, journey and effort. So um, it, it takes all of us. So thank you so much for, you know, like I had heard his name, but actually, you know how sometimes these things just fade in the memory. So this is why we must keep um, elevating them and amplifying them uh, and telling our stories because they are really busy trying to kill uh, even the ones that everybody knows, like Dr. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, you know, so, you know, they definitely don't want the the other people known and um, amplified and um, the, the stories told and people understand what that fight involved. And I love, you know, like the rundown and the history of the people and the places involved in this struggle that Geechee gave to us. And, you know, I just want to take a moment to say that after um, um, the um, civil rights movement, after um, he was killed, that was when we got our first, I mean, these were when we got like our first representative in Congress, um, uh, Shirley Chisholm. We got uh, Thurgood Marshall on the Supreme Court. Um, we got two of our first uh, black um, mayors of uh, major cities, um, a few other firsts um, that we got as a result of that work. 
And that is what they did. They did the work, and that is what we must do. It is on us to do the work of saving our democracy. So that's why we come here, gather, and have our conversations. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because uh, Geechee done already gave y'all the sermon. So thanks, Danny. And then just one last thing. Um, Dr. King is, I don't think he gets enough credit um, with the Children's March. And that was something that I also wanted to highlight. Yes, we know that he was revolutionary. And one of the things that he was most effective in doing, he forced white people everywhere, not just the South, right? He forced white people everywhere to deal with their bigotry and with their racism head on. And the one of the most effective ways he did that was that he had children and literally not just young adults. I'm not talking about the 20 year olds, seven, I think the youngest is around six or seven years old, about 18. And he had them dressed in their Sunday best and they did a walkout in Birmingham. And unfortunately these children were met with attack dogs and water hoses. And not before long, you know, you had the media, they aired this on television. So everybody saw it. It wasn't just the South. It wasn't just, it, it didn't just stay in Alabama. It went everywhere. And now white people now have to deal with their shame, right? You just can't turn it away. You can't turn off the TV because now it's in the newspaper. They, he was forcing them to deal with something that they had the privilege to turn away from. And it was effective because it's also part of the catalyst of what started the civil rights movement. It wasn't just the only thing, obviously, but something about seeing that, that forced them to change, like seeing that because television was becoming more prominent in people's homes and stuff too. And so same thing with um, um, Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, when mm -hmm. she talks about how they beat her in jail and how she was like, why are you doing this? And nobody has an answer. And it's showing at the same time of the DNC, I believe, convention. Someone helps me out. And I believe it was, um, sorry, my dog. He thinks he's a football. Somebody's at my door. But um, <laughs> he's trying to help you out, Danny. He really is. <laughs> he's just a small little dog. But um, even Fannie Lou Hamer, she calls it out, right? And so she can't help or, uh, and they are forced to still deal with it. They can't turn it off anymore. It's getting, the abuse is getting too loud and they have to finally face it. And so I think Dr. King, he did a really good job with the children. And so that is all. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate that and a very important point, um, you know, to uh, like uh, reiterate and, and bring out. So up next, we have Mark, uh, and so glad to have you here today and looking forward to hearing from you. And then after that, we have Donna, and I am going to uh, start to close this out. Um, and I just want to thank you all again uh, so very much for coming and joining Soul Sister and I today. Um, hey, happy Monday, Dee. Welcome back. Good, good, to, good to have you have you back on the block. Um, and happy Martin Luther King Day. Uh, this is like a... Uh, one of my one of my favorite favorite holidays um, because um, I get to think about one of my favorite people um, and and what I think about um, during this time and I keep on you know it's not just today but um, I, I try to think about Martin Luther King as a man um, 
and what he must have been going through and, and all the stuff that so I, I I took a deep dive a few years ago and I read Taylor Branch's Parting the Waters. Uh, so I wanted to learn more about him. I was so curious as a kid. Um, I my my first uh, Black History Month report when I was a little kid in elementary school was on Gordon Parks. Uh, and everybody chose Martin Luther King. I chose Gordon Parks. And they're like, why? I was like, because he took pictures of Martin Luther King. I want to know why he, why he was taking those pictures. What, like, what was he thinking when he was photographing the guy? Um, and so when when you look like what what I like people to do, and, I, and this is the day where you get all kinds of I have a dream, you know, get the speeches, right? The I have a dream part. But, you know, people don't, I'm not sure why they don't, but people don't really realize there was a whole big speech before I have a dream. Um, it wasn't It wasn't until Mahalia Jackson said, tell them about the dream, Mark, in 63, that I have a dream was actually um, spoken. And, and, and I have a dream sermon. It wasn't really a speech. It was actually one of his sermons that he had done maybe like 20 times before, um, emanated from the, the, the burning of a black church in 1962. And so, and one of the, I think, I think I forgot her name, but she was from SNCC. Um, she actually coined the phrase, I have a dream. So Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King took that, took that ideal and somebody going to say something? No, it was me. I was just saying, yes, there were a lot of women shaping these men who were behind right. the scene. Yes. Right. So Martin Luther King got I have a dream from this young lady from SNCC. Um, and then also he was he was very real, well read. Um, he was a sponge with reading. I mean, Dr. King read and read and read um, the, the winter of our discontent is from Shakespeare's Richard III. Right. You know, in, in, in his speeches. And then, you know, the I have even the I have a dream speech is is literally it's like, you know, all these biblical verses that are like, you know, he's coming down with this alliteration and this rhetoric. And, 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 and like, it's just like a ton of of this background of, of, of this uh, human being that is just so smart. I mean, he went to Morehouse at 15. Um, and I, I got a chance to read some of his essays from the King Center. Um, and and if you if you have a chance, I would I would suggest even today, you can, you, I think you can go on the King Center website and grab some of his essays as a as a as a teenager. You're going to be inspired by the, the kind of thought process he had. And he was he was really into Thoreau, uh, Henry David Thoreau. Um, that's where he got civil disobedience from. Um, and, and he was really inspired by that. Uh, and, he, and, and there was so many, so many influences that he had. So, you know, what I always try to tell people is please don't give me the I have a dream speech uh, tributes. Give me the beginning of give me the beginning, you know, the the, um, you know, where, where he where he just opens up with. And let me let me I'm going to end with this, by the way. I'm in with this. And just if you will. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. The note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. 
We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate, to degenerate into physical violence. The marvelous new militancy, which has engulfed the Negro community, must not lead us to distrust all white people, for many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. We cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must take the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of unspeakable horrors of produced police brutality. We can never be satisfied as long as our bodies, heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their adulthood and robbed, or and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and the Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like the waters and righteousness like the mighty stream. And that's where Mahalia Jackson says, tell them about the dream, Martin. And matter of fact, on the tape, if you listen to it, you can actually, after that mighty stream comment, you can hear Mahalia say it which is one of his dear friends and his favorite singer and probably most of ours. Um, that's all I wanted to add to the conversation. Uh, and, and I, I've loved, and Dr. Marshall, thank you so much for um, your, your uh, historical perspective. Um, I was thinking about my grandfather and grandmother when you were talking. Um, grandfather fought in World War II and um, came home to Monroe, Louisiana and saw the, the after uh, what happened after a lynching and never and uh, moved to California and never came back to Monroe. He never went home again. So the day means a lot. And, and that perspective means so much. And I, and I appreciate you for sharing uh, the trauma that you experienced. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's very heartfelt. I, I love your perspective. So thank you for saying that. And, and, and there's a piece of, you know, Martin Luther King re represents, and this day represents the greatness of our nation. It represents the greatness of the world, of the words that was that carved this nation into what it is. Um, and it's up to us to make sure that we be, do become a nation of our laws and a nation of, of, um, of, of equality and of justice. Um, and, and in some ways, Martin Luther King and the 14th Amendment to me are similar. Right. You know, the 14th Amendment was about making black people equal to everybody else in this country. Um, and we, 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 we see ourselves now fighting to make sure that people recognize that Martin Luther King was fighting for something. Um, you know, and that's the first part of his speech. Everybody jumps to I have a dream, which in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ironic sense was about the burning of a black church, the, the coining of I have a dream. Um, they point to that, but they forget about the beginning of the speech. The beginning of the speech was about the winter of our discontent. Why are we here? Why are we not satisfied? And why can't we never be satisfied? And we still cannot be satisfied. And that's why we celebrate Martin Luther King Day. It's not about like kumbaya for everybody. It's about we're still not satisfied because this nation has to, has to cash that check so that everybody can be free. Um, and we're still not there, but you know what? That's the part of the more perfect union that makes the country great. So thank you so much, Dee. Welcome back. And good to see everybody. 
um, happy to be on the space and uh, I loved everybody's contributions um, and I hope you like you like mine too. Well, we absolutely did, Mark, and so glad that you came. You were able to come and join me here on my day uh, on this day, being back, and to share some really uh, wonderful um, contributions and um, observations. And I thank you, um, and um, I appreciate you pointing out um, that aspect of the speech. Um, and I did post um, a thread from the King Center of all of his uh, many of his speeches, and I, it's one of those things that I do uh, love to go back and look at just. Um, great um, speeches in history, um, and um, he certainly has a wealth of them. So I would encourage you guys to grab the uh, great information that has been put in the nest and the Jumbotron, uh, and I appreciate all of you guys sharing. Um, so um, make sure you get that. We're going to be uh, winding up here shortly. I want to um, Dawn and then Donna, and then uh, I want to tell you a little bit about some of the uh, work that I have been doing with the Advocacy, uh, Advocacy Arena podcast. So uh, Donna is next and then Dawn. Hey, Dee. Welcome back. Thank you for well, allowing me to speak. thank you. You and Soul Sister, the dynamic duo. Um, I wanted to uh, back uh, kind of expound on something that Geechee said about all the different alliances that we had back during those days. One person who hardly ever gets any kind of fame or fortune was Byron Rustin. He was the architect of the March on Washington. But he didn't get the praise not only because nobody really knew about him, but he was also a openly gay man. He was the one who organized that march. Uh, the representative from the, um, the great city of Washington, D.C., Eleanor Holm Norton, tells this story. She knows everything about him and all the organizers. She's like the most wonderful, like greatest resource ever on this. I yeah. know. I love her. Uh, yes. And Eleanor Holmes Norton did an interview about this, and she told from A to Z. So if you can find it, I look for it, but I couldn't find it. But she was, I mean, it, she tells about how he went and recruited all these college students to help him organize this march and the difficulties and all that, that they had dealing with the city and just trying to organize it. Cause you had people coming from all over the South for this particular March. Um, I also wanted to say um, what Geechee was saying about the different allies that we had. We had allies that were white. We had allies that were Muslim we had, I mean, just all types of allies. And I just wanted to say to our allies that we have in the collective, the Alleys, the Laurens, the LMZ, keep doing the work that you're doing. I look back at um, Jane Elliott and all the work that she has done. And she said that she was inspired 
by Martin Luther King because of his death. So it's not just the black community, but you have a lot of our allies in other communities that want to take up the mantle and do the work. And I just want to say to all those who want to do the work, I know two people that may help you, and that's Jane Elliott and Tim Wise, and I'll land there. Oh, that's beautiful, um, Donna. Thank you so much. Again, I love that you guys are bringing up figures that are often forgotten and not very often mentioned. So um, thank you again, and thank you for coming in and sharing with us uh, great reminders. So uh, up next, we've got Dawn. Thank you, Dee. I'm not going to keep you. I was really going to toot your horn for you. Well, do <laughs> that, please, because, uh, you know, I don't like doing that. I'm not this it's hard for. Yes. So. No, I just want to put in the nest. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Advocacy Arena. Uh, just thank you so much for bringing so much to this collective and historical context and everyone participated in Geechee, of course, uh, putting his word together, his sermon together. Um, I'm so glad this is recorded so I can take that home. Um, and thing of red, and I have to just give Geechee a bit of praise on something that he had in space on a couple of weeks ago. It is time to tell our leaders are dying off, you guys. We have, we are so blessed to have our Dr. Marshalls, our Father Khalil's, uh, Miss Denise. Um, and then there's the next, the next generation to come up, the Gen X, the um, boomers, and we have to be this bridge. We have to tell our story. We have stories to tell, and we do. We have to preserve them. Uh, we have to preserve this piece of history because we have to make sure that we're ready uh, to fight for our children and our, our nieces or our nephews if you don't have children uh, or just the children that have to we are we, we say it, we shout it, we yell it, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, but th it's unmatched about how these people were able to go down to the gutter, get their head bashed in like we were talking about. Uh, the, the, are we really ready to fight for this democracy? It's going to take a lot more than yelling and screaming and shouting, but we do have more tools available to us now. And I always say it's still good to go in lockstep. It's not meaning that you're in a cult. It's not. It's just that you're on one accord on how it can get done and you stick to it and you will see the fruits of your labor. So I just appreciate GD for sticking to it, uh, sticking to uh, what works, what we know has been proven. I sure appreciate you. We look at, uh, and Geechee, we're going to tell our stories too. Like you said, it's not, we have our own to tell as well. We have to preserve our parents, our grandparents, our aunties, our uncles, but we have our own. Because even through that, this, this freedom thing that we've got going, it's forever, it's ever changing. And we have to maintain it. We have to keep it. Um, I go back to Miss Denise and what she said about the Rainbow Coalition. You had those young patriots, the young lords. They all formed a group of bond, and it was intersectional. Okay, every it was every race, every creed that they could get. It was in Chicago, but mind you, they had to do a merger. We were gonna have to do a coalition building, it, and not to say that uh, our our color of our skin is not more important. We all know who we are. We are in our skin. But we, if we don't do this, this world is not just one race. We're going to have to merge at some point because a lot of us who've gotten in where we've gotten have had the help of others. They may not admit it, but they have. This is not ours. We don't own it. We're powerful and we could be even more powerful 
but we have to speak reality. And so it's time to vet and look and sift through who is on our team, who is for us and not against us. So I appreciate you. And you guys, see, uh, I wanted to praise Dee for just starting something new and trying to branch out and expand. And especially um, as some of us who are Gen Xers, some a little older and uh, Tiff with the TikToks and much like uh, uh, Instagram and some of us who are not familiar with it, it is so, it's so appreciative that you started this. At the top of the Jumbotron, I put in the advocacy arena. Uh, her interview with Tiff about political activism. Get involved. Get connected, you guys. It's on Spotify. I put it down also in the thread. Subscribe. Click the link. Rotate. Whatever you can to get the word out there and what we've got or what everyone D, you've got coming up uh, and where you'll see where some of this focus will be also uh, on YouTube. She's already interviewed uh, Mark from this collective. We appreciate your level of expertise and everything that you've brought through. Just new things are happening and it's ready to reach and broaden our horizons, expand the audience. So it's just so proud of everything this collective has done. Thank you for your time today. I know it's, I don't want to be too lengthy, but just appreciate you. And everybody just please tell their story. So make sure to click and subscribe and rotate. At uh, this moment, it is unmonetized. So this is just something to so that we have in case this bird app goes south. We keep saying that. We, we know it's not in his best interest to let that happen, but to stay connected in any which way that we can. Thank you so much, Dee and Soul Sister, for everything that you've done today. It's good to be in good fellowship with all of you all. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for not, you know, for, you know, um, so I didn't have to toot my own, own horn. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the people. You know who you are. I have my invites out there uh, to be interviewed. And um, Mark and Tip are the first two that I've uh, laid down. But I've got some others lined up. And uh, don't be surprised when you get asked. Because I want to amplify the wonderful voices and expertise and knowledge that we have in this community. So I'm really enjoying this work. And um, it looks like uh, Geechee uh, has his hand up. And then Greg has finally joined us. So glad to have you here today. And um, and Shauna is requesting. So uh, we're going to get um, Geechee and um, Greg and uh, Shauna and then uh, Greg. Let me see. Yeah. You got trouble and trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't oh want to jump your spot. So. Didn't you, you just jump? Didn't you just jump like five people? Well, you know that's I, I, he rolls. I, I uh, am but... the diva. I'm, I'm the star of the show. So we call oh that my fine. god! Here Stay he comes. <laughs> so, uh, which one of you, Gregs, are going to go first? Uh, you know what? You I'll be real quick. I'll be real quick. I'll be real quick. I have to get stuff together. Um, I think it's really wonderful because it, even though you think you cover everything, that there's other things that are always brought to you that are, that enhance the stories or even like connect. Um, and I'm just, I'm really grateful for that. Like when Danny spoke, uh, spoke about the uh, big duck from New Orleans, he's was autistic. Uh, we have people that were autistic all the way back then that were a part of this movement. Um, when um, Mark brought up about the fact that his uh, grandfather not wanted to go back to the South, and I talked to, I did a thread earlier that is one of the, the things that reconnected my father and I, because my father has only been to the South maybe five or six times since he left the South. My family moved to San Francisco and then Colorado. 
um, for my sister going to college, graduating from college, my mom's funeral, um, my grandfather's um, funeral, my grandmother's funeral, and like this event. That's like basically it for him. He doesn't like the South, doesn't like to hear about the South, so on and so forth. Um, he's still scarred from a lot of the events that happened way back, way back then. Um, and then also Mama Donna that I would forget. Now, you know, I've been straight now for a couple of hours since I saw um, Janelle Monet's dress. But Bayard Rustin is obviously a very important figure during this time. And she also brought up Eleanor Norms Holden, who is a treasure trove of all the activists, all the behind the things, behind the scenes things that happen. So, like I said, it's really good that we tell our stories and that we also listen to others because others can add to our stories. Like this, this, this folklore of telling stories and sitting around the campfire. It's not just that one person that's the elder that just like talks nonstop. It's other people that chime in or take over the story too. So I'm grateful for all the others that are here today that added on to the story. Even Don and I guess Greg. You know, he's so rude. Oh, he's rude. Okay. I got you. Would he not be Geechee? I mean, y'all would be, y'all would probably think something was wrong. Um, if he well, didn't behave this way. <laughs> so, thanks so much, um, Geechee. Uh, you are absolutely right. So um, I appreciate you adding that. And uh, up next, we've got uh, Greg, who hasn't spoken, then Shauna, and then uh, Shantae. All right. Thank you for that great opening, D. It's, it's been a long time, you know. It is, really has been a long time. I got myself together. So let's talk Me about Me too. <laughs> You know, let's kiki and everything like that. So I'm really glad that um, this is Martin Luther King Day. And I really want everybody to really take back your power as our community. Because, you know, as you know, there were a lot of people who like to, like our leaders, they don't, they, 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 they never like him in the life, but they now claiming that they like him when he's dead. And that has always been our story. They always want to co-op our movement. Exactly. They don't love us until we're gone and they don't have to deal with us. I was like, it's like today when I saw when uh, they they had the audacity to adapt Bernie Sanders was Martin. Nah, we ain't playing these games anymore. And then they turn about, I'm being decisive. No, you don't get to tell our story and then turn them on and say, I'm the villain. No, we are not villains. Because the thing is, we are Black people. We was educated. We aren't wise. And we have known our stories throughout entire times. And we know when you gaslight us, the saying that we aren't need to be put in our planes. We're being defensive. You know what? I'm tired. I don't know if something happened to me over my birthday, but I am tired. I am tired to take an abuse from bad people. And I mean bad people coming from all different types of race, if they are a woman, anything like that. Enough is enough. It's like it's our story, it's our truth. And one thing about Martin Luther King is he is inspired me throughout my life, and he inspired others to for equality and his story has reached throughout the whole uh, entire world just imagine just uh, as a Capricorn of course Martin Luther King is a Capricorn because Capricorn are great people including myself 
But as we, as I digress. You're going to make it about you, Greg. I know. Go ahead. Of, of, of course. It was not, it, it's never been always about me. But it's about you, too. It's about everybody. It's everybody. Everybody has that voice. And you, unlike one thing I have to say, your influence counts. As I said to you before, it's not a matter if you have 119,000 followers like certain people do, and they abuse their power, but you have that power to do the right thing. No matter if you have 300 or 400 or 17, it's not about the follower count. It's about what your intent is going to do about how you're going to change the world and what you could bring to the world and what you can inspire to people. If you're going to be inspired to inspired to, to put out misinformation, you don't belong, you're, you don't need to be having that account. All right? If you want to create chaos, there you go. But my take is I want to tell my truth. And everybody wants to Try to make this try to make this country a better place and a better environment, and push back with the misinformation. And that's what I think that we need to move on. And also that people are not educating our story. We need to tell our story and tell our truth and own it. Never allow anybody out here to find. In, misplaced and defined and try to misread you and say you're a horrible person. No, you're not. Because to me, speaking truth to power, and ever and one thing is this, we need as, as a community and especially on here on Twitter, we need to stop putting people on pedestals. And it's like, I'm just going to be really blunt. If you see them doing something wrong and you see them being like sketch and you, and and back in your mind, you think, yeah, you need to call it out immediately. And, you know, I've been taking a lot of flack, but you know what? I was taught from a very young age, and then and, and what's by from Dr. King, speaking truth to power, and you cannot fear no evil. And, you know, he, did, he sacrificed a lot for us to be reaping the benefits of his life. And so... It's, the, it's time for us, as this generation, like each turned turn around and said, they're dying off, and we have to teach the babies. We have to teach them that you have to love you, look yourself in the mirror, and you, I love you. And each one of us have to do that. Because, you know, we can inspire. We need to inspire the next generation to take the process going moving forward. Because we, our ultimate goal is equality. Equality for black people and equality for the gays and everyone else. So I'm not going to be like, I know some of you accuse me to be long-winded, but I'm not like Geechee. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I want to say I'm, I'm as a person who I've been through a lot, I want to say I appreciate everybody in this room and everybody that follows me. Because, you know, I wouldn't be here if it was not for you. And I wouldn't be here for your great interactions with one another. And that's called. And I have to say, and I love you all. So, happy 
Martin Luther King Day and and just embrace stuff. I I have to I have to say it because it's, it has to go over the conversation because one percent embrace with the fuckery because you know it's the unofficial start of black is Black History Month and yeah you're gonna be fighting for the next six weeks. On that note, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And we appreciate you bringing that uh, because, again, like we we talked about earlier in the conversation, um, Dr. King um, pointed out their racism racism in their behavior, you know, just um, in this fight, we we have to do that. And um, we can't... can't play around. We're at a very, we're on a precipice and we have to be very deliberate and intentional in our messaging and, um, and what we do going forward. And that's on this app and in real life. So I appreciate that so much. And thank you for joining us today. And I hope the rest of your day is awesome. So up next, we've got Shauna, then uh, Shantae, and then Danny. And we're going to wrap it up there because I was trying to keep to 90 minutes. But, you know, when the conversation is going well, I like to let it flow. And I appreciate you guys being, you know, um, inspired to to come up and add to it. So I always love to hear from you guys. So uh, Shauna, got you, then Shantae, and Danny. Thank you. Hi, D. Hi, Soul Sister. Thank you so much for the space. I love hearing you ladies. Miss you guys so much. Um, yeah, um, I'm wishing everyone happy Martin Luther King Day. I'm, you know, I agree with everything everyone has said so far. I'm picking up uh, on what Shantae said, I think, and what Greg just said. Kind of crazy how the GOP kind of picks, uh, cherry picks the messages that uh, Martin Luther King has stated, and then they don't live by what he has said. And I, I hate when they do that. And and then his daughter has to kind of come out and say, you know, stop stop doing that. That's embarrassing that they do that, and she's still living and has to go out and counter that. I hate that, and that's so disrespectful to the family and to her. Uh, but I wanted to talk about what Soul Sister was saying earlier about uh, recording uh, what family members have said. And I wish I had done this. Uh, my grandfather was born in 1920, and he had so many stories. And I wish that um, I had recorded um, some of the things that he had said, um, because he had uh, quite a few things. Um, you know, he came up in Oklahoma, and then you know moved to Kansas and then Missouri um, back in um, his younger days. But um, speaking like of uh, segregation and things like that, um, you know, Brown versus Board. Everyone knows that was in Kansas, and. My mom, you know, grew up in Missouri, and so the schools were integrated right away. Well, my dad uh, grew up here. Oh, we lost Deshana. Record him his experiences, but um, I asked my mom about this back, you know, when I learned about this in school, and she said, like, she didn't she didn't talk about teachers really being that racist. But my dad, he said, when schools were integrated in Texas. Um, he was in middle school, and he said the teachers were, you know, calling kids racial slurs and things like that, and which was, you know, horrible. And he said, you know, teachers got fired and things like that for, for saying horrible things, but their experiences were so different, you know, living in different areas. And so I think it, it would be very important for to get these uh, some of these experiences on recording so you can share it with your children and grandchildren and things like that because there is so much uh, to learn and to, to be heard from that. So I just um, think that is important. And I uh, thank you, Soul Sister, for bringing that up because that's just something I remembered when you said that. 
and that's something I'll have to kind of get from him uh, since he is still here with us. So um, thank you, ladies, though, again. I'm so happy hearing from everybody today. Thank you. Well, thank you, Shauna, and I appreciate it. Yes, I tried to, when I realized that, I tried to get a little bit with my grandma who was born um, in 1916. I, I have some of the, you know, like verbal ones, but I started trying to get some of them recorded. And um, those that I haven't, I'm just trying to write some of the stories that I remember being told um, because it's important important for them to continue to be told. And, you know, as I said, not just from like, you know, the um, dates and, and, and the bare facts, but how people's lives were affected by these things um, is very important. So thanks again. appreciate you coming up and sharing with us. Up next, we've got Shantae, then Danny, and I'm going to close this out. Miss D, Soul Sister, it's been a good space. Like I said, it's good to take a break and then come back refreshed and renewed and and just start from scratch in the new year. So, um, you know, Geechee's, you know, always educating us and always pulling out an encyclopedia, like the human encyclopedia, as he always is. And, you know, just picking back to what Shauna said and what Greg said uh, from Brooklyn and what soul sister said like i'm very lucky to have two excuse me two parents born in the 50s one grew up both grew up in different regions of the country like my father grew up here obviously in new york and my mom grew up in south carolina during the um segregated south and she actually is from the orangeburg orangeburg county which is a town a utahville which is a town in orangeburg and my mom actually participated in like a demonstration but they couldn't tell my grandparents because you know they're from that sound generation where like they didn't want their children to get hurt and, you know, because my grandparents were born in the 20s. So, you know, they going to get hurt and whatnot. So, you know, because I asked my mom, what my mom told me, like, yeah, I participated in a minute in, in the demonstration. I was like, what? Like, huh? Like, and then because I knew she participated in demonstrations up here in the 70s, like in the early 70s. But I didn't know she participated in the demonstration like in the late 60s, like mid to late 60s, which that was interesting. And in terms of schools integrating, um, my mom's high school didn't integrate until 1970. So 19, the year, I think it was like the year before she graduated from high school, 1970. You know, because it was real. It was, it was, it was real. And, you know, racism happened up north. Like, northern Republicans were always a hot-ass fucking mess. They was always a hot mess. Like, my father told me, like, yeah, they were always a hot mess. Like, the Rockefellers were a hot mess, my father told me. And I believe that. So, when all of these Republicans, once again, even some of these moderate Republicans, quoting Dr. King, quoting all, you know, Mega Evers, too, because Dr. King's not the only one they quote. They quote other influential black people. I was like, remember how you guys didn't want this holiday to be a federal holiday? Oop. John S. McCain. John Sidney McCain. Oop. Oop. God bless the dead. Oh, Ronald Reagan, your damn self. But you had to sign it into law because it was the right thing to do. To make it a federal holiday. Because you did not want it to be a federal holiday. So when all of them, including Elizabeth Lynn Cheney, Adam Daniel Kissinger, all of those Republicans that these so-called white Democrats, yes, I said it, want to praise. I said, remember, look at their legislative voting record. 
against legislation that will help black people in other marginalized communities. You give me a call. You let me know. And as for the um, the so-called left, the wannabe communists, like Bernie Sanders, you did not march with Martin Luther King. I want somebody to really, I know people said it, but I really want one of the King family members to say that shit. Because knowing good and damn well, you didn't. Like, I wish, like, these people stop using us as a shield to hide their freaking racism. I know this day's supposed to be embracing folks, but this day's also about honesty. And Dr. King was about honesty, too. He was about being honest. And you have to be honest. There are white moderates blocking the passage of the Voting Rights Act to protect our voting rights. There's legislation being passed to suppress the vote, literally, to suppress the vote. It's insane. In 2023, there's people that are suppressing our vote. It is sad. It is absolutely disappointing. And when you have all of these people, all of these Republicans quoting him and retweeting some of their cynic, I mean, their Republican colleagues quoting it, but you voted against the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. I, I don't want nothing from you. I, I don't think good of you. You are full of it. If Dr. King was alive, he would have criticized y'all in a speech. And I'm glad Bernice King is actually doing it. Stop quoting, like you're trying to stop quoting her dad. Stop quoting her dad, because you know you're not about progress. Like Kevin McCarthy between them, but you want to uh, put legislation to ban actual history being taught in schools. How dare you? How dare you? But like I said, Dr. King was not for that. Dr. King was who he was, and that's whoever he's going to be. But once again, D Soul Sisters, thank you for this space, and thank everybody for their knowledge. And we got to talk to more of our, our, our elders because, like I said, they will no longer be here soon. And, and I'm glad to at least have, you know, my mother and my father talking about this. You know, my mom, who comes from the Deep South, you know, talking about, you know, her time growing up. And thankfully, she said she didn't have to, you know, drink from those water fountains, which my grandfather was not having that. Like, you use the bathroom at home. You use the bathroom before you go outside. Drink your water before you go outside. So I yield my time. And once again, Dee, thank you so much for letting me speak. Well, thank you. And I appreciate um, all your contributions today and the fact that you had time today to hang out with us because I know you work as do so many. And um, so I'm glad that you guys were able to, you know, uh, come in and, and share what I feel um, is a, you know, a very important day to, you know, share your contributions, your thoughts, your stories, your experience. Um, I feel like we can all um, grow and learn from it. And I appreciate you all for providing part of that lesson for us. So um, up next, we've got um, uh, Dr. Marshall, and then I'm going to get you Danny, okay? I just wanted to add one quick note. Um, thank you, Soul Sister and Shauna. For those of you whose grandparents and maybe even your parents have passed, don't forget to look through their papers. Look through, if you have Life Magazine, Look Magazine, Jet Magazine, they have Bibles. Look through their Bibles. Don't just toss 
the papers. I know there's that real strong tendency. I just want to clean it up, clean it out. Please, 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 I beg you, don't do that. I have many of my grandmothers and grandaunts' Bibles, and at different times, I'm just flipping through them, and out will come a page of a note. I found at least 10 of my current living cousins that I would never have found because I didn't know their names, you know, married down like their third, fourth cousins. Um, remember the, um, well, you, the coffee tables. Remember those places that they said, you can't look in there. Go and look. I have found notes in cookbooks that actually was history for my family or the history of the areas in which they grew up or that they traveled. So just because you don't have um, an audio of a story that they told you doesn't mean that you don't still have access to your family history and the history perhaps of the neighbors. That's really well, because I'm still sorting through that and I'm still shipping stuff to Emory because I'm still finding it. So that that's really the last piece that I wanted to add. And this has been a super, super great Martin Luther King Day. Thank you so much, Dee, and thank you, Soul Sister, and everyone else who contributed. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you as the historian, you know, giving us these tidbits on it. And those are a couple of the things that I got from my grandparents and other people are their Bibles. So uh, my grandmother's is the one that I, I use when I, I reference now. So uh, lots of reasons for, like you said, there are still phone numbers in here <laughs> uh, and birthdays and, and different things. So uh, thank you so much for um adding that. And uh, Dr. Marshall is going to be one of the next up and coming interviews. So look out for that. And she'll be sharing more things like that. So looking forward to that. And we're going to um, have Danny. She'll be our last speaker. And then I'm going to close out. And I have so enjoyed this conversation with you guys today and look forward to having many more. We'll be back here again on Monday. And uh, Advocacy Arena will be having some other, you know, spaces doing some other things um, because the advocacy extends beyond democracy. But it is certainly a, a major um, focus because a lot of those other things can't even begin to be addressed if we don't have a democracy. So you guys already know that about me. So uh, I'll keep you updated on that and look forward to um, just um, getting to work and working with, you know, a lot of you guys, because I know that you're going to be doing the work as well. So with that, I'm going to go to Danny, then my fabulous co-host, Soul Sister, and close us out. So over to you, Danny. Yes, I'm going to be very quick. Uh, what a great space. Um, I think I've been hungry for a space like this. So thank you again for coming back. Um, two of my favorite quotes that I just wanted to um to share with everyone. Um, one is from Benjamin Franklin, of all people. Um, 
an investment in knowledge always pays the best interest. And of course, because of its MLK Day, um, intelligence plus character, that is the goal of true education. And I think this is why I've been hungry for a space like yours is because that's what I get when we come into your spaces, um, when you hosted Democracy First. And now um, I can appreciate that you're coming with knowledge, you're coming with wisdom. Um, it's going to be enlightening, it's going to be engaging, and it's going to be time well spent. So I just wanted to say thank you once again for coming back <laughs> and saving us from this hell space. But uh, we wish you the best in this new chapter of this journey that you're on. So can't wait for what you uh, have next. And that's all. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate that um, so very much. And it is, um, you know, uh, a wonderful quote because, you know, I think knowledge is power. And, and as uh, Geechee and so many others um, have said, we had a very strong academic base in our early civil rights leaders and, and that movement. And uh, I aim to continue in their same vein. And I appreciate you uh, doing that work and having that mindset as well. You know, So thanks so much. I appreciate that. And Soul Sister, I am so glad that um, you're doing better. I'm so glad that you were able to co-host with me today. Looking forward to our future upcoming spaces. I want to give you an opportunity to offer some closing words before I close this out with a few words from uh, you-know-who. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dee. Uh, you know, I, I was gone from Twitter for uh, a little bit of time there. And uh, I have to say that if today was my coming back day, then um, it was just well worth the the time away because it, it's refreshing. Uh, and I'm and I'm glad I took the time. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't planned, but that's OK, too. Uh, you know, today I, I wasn't very talkative. Um, I didn't have um I didn't add a lot to the conversation, but this conversation was so important. Just hearing from everyone, um, listening to, uh, you know, historical facts and personal feelings and um, experiences, it, it was amazing. And I'm actually glad to sometimes uh, listen, even if sitting in this co-chair spot with you uh, or co-host spot with you, and I, and I appreciated it. Uh, it wasn't because I had nothing to, to give to the conversation, but I do believe that sometimes we get the most from conversations, not because we add to them, but because we're listening, uh, actively listening and uh, just absorbing things. And, and today was one of those days. It was it was it's just been phenomenal. Uh, and I appreciate everyone uh, who came to support you and and support this this new page in your book and I um I, I think that this is definitely um, the the space that I wanted to start again and so uh, I appreciate that and we have to remember that even as we look back in history that we are also a part of history being made today and act accordingly. And I think many people have touched on that today, you know, um, Greg and, and Geechee and um, 
Dawn and Miss Donna and, and Shauna and Kent Tiff and, uh, you know, Chante, so many people. And if I forgot a name, please forgive me because uh, it is definitely not because I, um, I'm, I'm purposely doing it. It's because my brain is um, sometimes fails me and that's okay too. Uh, I'm here. And that is the, the best part of about today and every day. So I just want to thank you for um, coming back to us. And I am very excited about this journey forward. So I appreciate you. And I appreciate being a part of this space today. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I um, am glad to have you back. I am glad to be back and glad to have everyone here supporting and sharing. Um, we go forward. Um, and we continue to do the work. And I am going to leave you with a few words from Dr. Martin Luther King because it is his day that we are celebrating. But of course, always with the words of um, the late great representative John Lewis. And I always uh, were moved by these words, which many of you hear, but it's just something about it, like from a young age hearing it, it just resonated with me. So I'm going to read these words, and, excuse me, <clears throat> how long, not long, because no lie can live forever. How long, not long, you shall reap what you sow. How long, not long, how long, not long, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And, um, I love that and I believe that. And then I'm going to follow up with the words of uh, the late great representative John Lewis. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I'm so happy to know all of you great troublemakers and for you coming here and joining me whenever I start a space or whenever I ask you to contribute or do something or be interviewed on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and, you know, making noise and good trouble because I know that you know it makes a difference. So I just want to thank you and leave you all with peace and blessings. And um, I'm back and I'll keep you posted. And I look forward to you jo joining me in the next space. And we'll be back here next Monday. But you might see us in between there too. So you guys have a great rest of the week. Um, and we'll see you uh, again real soon. Peace and blessings.